Today, we are studying out of the book Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, and we're going to be covering um, Chapter 73 and getting into Chapter 74. Um, chapter 73 is entitled Labor in the East, and uh, we're just going to say a quick prayer. We, we actually had prayer before we went live, but we're going to just say a quick prayer as we begin our study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, bringing us to see another Sabbath day. And we ask, Lord, that as we begin this study session, that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us, Lord, and to lead and guide us into all truth. But most of all, help us, Lord, to obey the truth and help us to glean from these, these uh, pages, Lord, the message and the word that you have for us that you want us to share with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Amen. Uh, Chapter 73 is just one paragraph. So uh, that's why we went on and we're going to include part of chapter 74 today. Um, if you will recall in an earlier chapter, um, Ellen White was shown by the Lord that uh, they should not labor in the East because their labor would not be effective in the East. And they were told to go West and to labor in the West. Um, and now this chapter uh, she's saying that she has been shown that the time has come now that the labor in the East would be effective. Now, why do you think labor now in the East would be effective when it wasn't effective before? Well, at the bottom of that paragraph, it points out the Lord was humbling the people in the East. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't doing what they were supposed to or were neglecting God's word. And something went on, apparently, that humbled them. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And now, apparently, the Spirit of God was going to be able to work more effectively through them and also uh, on them to use them um, in the Lord's work. And so he just, uh, the message was given to Ellen White to strengthen the things that remain and proclaim the message to those who have not heard it in the East. And um, so at that point, um, I guess God decided that it was time to go back to the East. Do you all recall a story in the Bible where the apostle, well, well, one of the apostles, they wanted to go um, one particular direction, but they were warned or told not to go. Do you remember that? Anybody? Oh, wait, say it again that uh, I think it was it may have been the Apostle Paul or it may have been uh, one of one of the ones that was working with him and they wanted to go um, into I guess the Orient and they were told not to they were warned not to go there at that point in time and it just this just reminds me of that that you know if we if we if we give God's work over to God, he will direct us. He will lead and guide us. He will tell us where to go, when to go, and when not to go. So that's what I take mostly from that chapter. Anybody else have any comments on that? No? Okay. All right, let's All right, move what on. what you got from 73. Yes. Um, I I see, I think I understand this correctly. I understand him saying, don't uh, don't go to the East, but it says strengthen the things that remain. It sounds like there was some work where they were that um, needed to be finished before they can move further. 
Well, I think that because we had read in the earlier chapter, as I said, that they were told to, to leave the East and go West because their labor would not be effective in the East at that time. And as Lee pointed out at the bottom of that paragraph, it says that God needed to humble them. He removed the work from them there because he needed to humble them and subdue their independent and rebellious spirits. And so now was the time, I guess the work, the, the Holy Spirit had been effective in humbling them. And now they were directed and she was directing them to return to the East because their work would be effective there. Okay, uh, let's move on to chapter 74, Dangers of the Young. Um, now, <laughs> this chapter is dealing with our young people. And some of it, you know, we look at it. At, did anybody get a chance to read it, first of all? I read the first, uh, let me see. I think I got through the first four pages, maybe okay. five. Okay, okay. We're only going to go through at least, well, a little less than half of it today because I know that that some people may not have gotten a chance to read it. But um, in any event, she's talking about the dangers of the to the young, and she's talking about Satan controlling in the first paragraph, controlling the minds of the young people, and leading their inexperienced feet astray. And she says that they, the young people, are ignorant of his devices, and in these perilous times, parents should be awake and work with perseverance and industry to shut out the first approach of the foe. They should instruct their children when they go out and when they come in, when they rise up and when they sit down, giving line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And then she goes into the next paragraph about the mother's work. And uh, can anybody just summarize for me what she says there in the second paragraph about what the mother's work is? Says, well, see, I've uh, got, I got, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patsy. I, when I, when I was reading that, I said, I got the impression. Well, my, my thinking was that mothers, you know, we have that natural nurturing because, you know, we carry a child nine months and if, if, if we get to learn about that child and I'm not saying dads don't cause dads, you know, usually they're working, they come home, then they deal with the kids, but if you're a stay-at-home mother, you get to, even if you're not a stay-at-home mother, as a mother, you get to know your kid's attitude. You know, if they tell you something's not, nothing's wrong, but you can sense that as a mother, something's wrong. And I think that, that made me think that as a parent, it's our responsibility to make sure that their, their physical welfare is, is good, but their spiritual also because if we leave them just to raise themselves, the streets will raise them, and, and then you will get what, what you never thought that your child could possibly become or be like if you don't nourish them and teach them God's way at home. And I hate to, to say, but as teachers, we find out parents want us to be the parent, the, the, you know, to do, do, do their job. And, and, and when they tell us, well, I don't know why my child act like that, and you're like, but... I don't know what to do with your child other than to say, these are the rules. And if you don't have rules at home and then you bring them to school and you think they're going to follow our rules as teachers, they're not. <laughs> that's, a, that's very interesting for you to point that out, Patsy, because this very chapter talks about mothers and, and how they should subdue the will and the temper of, of their children and bring their wills into subjection. 
and teach them to obey. And so it's very interesting, you know, for a lot of years, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, unruly children at, at home were brought to school, some of our Adventist schools, expecting, as you say, Patsy, the teachers to perform miracles with them. And of course, teachers w weren't able to because those children had been allowed to just be unruly at home. And, and, and it makes it harder for, for the teachers, as you say, Patsy, to, um, to um, teach those children. And when, we were, uh, when we went to enroll Holly at Oakwood, they gave you that intro speech, you know, to all the uh, parents. And they told the parents, don't be sending your kid down here with all them problems. <laughs> that really? is here for you. Uh, they know, well, you, you know, a lot of people don't even get rid of a problem. And they say, uh -huh. right. You don't think a university would have to say that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. They also yeah. said if they if they have a drug problem, we're not a detox center. Take them back. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. They went down a list of stuff that that they were saying. They also told us if you want your child to be successful, do not send a TV down here with them. Don't send mm. them down here with them, and do not give them too much spending money. You said not a TV and what? A car. Don't oh, okay. A car. No a TV. No car, and not much. And money. No money. And not too much money. <laughs> I tell you what, we we follow that instruction. I'm like, I don't want to waste my money up here. So right, right. One of the things yeah. that paragraph was saying too, which is always an issue in our churches, uh, at some point in every church, you get the cry for let the young people lead out. Well, mm. you realize the young people are inexperienced and they're easily led astray down Satan's path. So it's good that they want to lead out and we want them to, but you don't just turn things over to the youth. You have to have some adults there to manage. And some to structure, right, and some, right. And some parameters. Because yeah. right. if it's Absolutely. up to the youth, they'll be doing everything they feel like doing. <laughs> Their church will be heading down the wrong road. So that was all right. with people in church. Let the young people do it. We want to involve them, but don't let them loose by themselves. A, I like mm -hmm. the statement here. She says, if the will is not then subdued and made to yield to the will of the parents, it will be a difficult task to learn the lesson in after years. I think people really miss up, miss, miss that right there. That, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like consulting our kids and, you know, placating children and you mm -hmm. know, them, um, you know, after we say no, they get the right to bug us until we relent and say, here, just take it. Take my whole wallet. You know, we've <laughs> really been, I mean, just, and then when they become teenagers, my, 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 my. Right. They're unmanageable. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, what I see a lot of uh, these days is the parents want to be their child's friend. I see a lot of that. And um, what do you all think about that? How, how effective is that? <laughs> well, well I think you can be friendly to your kids but I think you still have to let them know I am the adult and my mother used to, and it's sad to say but my mama with all 24 of us I think we heard that, that that saying when she got frustrated with us I brought you in this world and I take you out and she and, and, and we were seeing her face the frustration 
and we and we had in our hearts we never wanted to make dad or mom ashamed of us. And when my mom would say that, you could just see tears crying down our face because we knew we had reached her boiling point. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. and, and she would have to, you know, say and say, now, then I'm going to let your daddy deal with it and walk away. And we'd be like, oh, we, you know, and I, and I see now a lot of kids, if they hurt their parents, well, like, and I'm going to be honest, my daughter said it, my youngest one, Kendra. Well, why'd you bring me in this world when she couldn't do the things that her other little friends was doing in high school? I told her no. I said, mm. I don't have your, your friends. I don't, I didn't get them birth. I gave you birth. And in this house, this is what we do on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So I said, and, and, and I see that, and it's like, and, and as I read through this, I said, there was things that I can honestly say I did wrong as a parent, you know? And I said, I got to the point, uh, you know, I'll, she's the last one I wanted to have, you know, what, uh, what the other ones I couldn't provide for them. And I said, after a while, I said, I begin to see what Ellen White was saying. You still have to make those firm decisions, whether they get mad and they in the bedroom crying and whining because they can't do this. It's my house, and this is what thus says the Lord, and I'm going to try to do it to my best of my abilities. Whether you get mad and get the balling and acting like I'm speaking to nobody in the house. And at that time I was married, my husband was like, just let her be to herself if she don't want to speak to nobody. If she don't want to eat, let her go hungry. But (laughs) it's it's always that feeling, especially as a mother. Now i got to go in here and try to calm her down and find out what's wrong. One of the mm-hmm. paragraph talks about too is parents, we're not just raising kids to get them out of the house or to teach them to get a job and fend for themselves. We're raising children of God. So mm-hmm. we've been talking about in our Sabbath school lesson, it's not just enough to educate them, but we have to train them to learn to love the Lord and have their own relationship with him as well. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. And we know that, um, from our readings and studies in the past that the Lord is going to ask us, what did you do with the children that I gave you? And, you know, some people are going to probably be standing there speechless. And, and, and I don't know if that's going to be a literal thing that he does, but some are going to be standing there speechless because they don't know what to say. You know, I recall in the Bible, uh, one of the priests, his sons were just evil. Eli, and, his sons were just evil because he had not properly restrained them when they were young and i guess you could call them pks hey y'all yes when my children were young i did i was away from the church i mean from when i 18 15 you know i did my own thing but it's like my children weren't wild. They weren't bad kids. They weren't none of that. Thank goodness, because I had people, my people still praying for us. I look back like my, my kid could have went just any old way. I mean, not with me, how I raised them to better my ability, but they still could have gotten caught up in stuff. And they did not. And they turned out well. Yes, I'm teaching them now, you know, how the way of the Lord. You know, they're praying teenagers, but they still, still, the world is still they still in the world. The world is still calling them. I don't think they're fully out, but I'm steady praying for them. So I do see see God's work in their hand and mm-hmm. our lives in the past mm-hmm. when I look back. And and I think that's important that even as our children are no longer under our roof, parental prayers for our children should continue until we we can no longer even you know do that. 
whatever, whether that be by reason of sickness or death or whatever. But I think that that is something that we all should continue to do even when our children are no longer living with us. Um, and uh, she says uh, also in the second paragraph, she says that, that children who have not been uh, restrained and their will subdued, she says that it'll be a severe struggle and conflict for them to yield their will, to yield that will which has never been subdued to the requirements of God. So as you were pointing out, Lee, in the next paragraph, that these, we're raising children to be children of God. That's what we should be raising them for. Um, and then she goes in the next paragraph, she talks about children from the ages of 10 to 18. They often feel that there's no harm in going places where there's gatherings of, of their friends and, and other young people but that parents often see the danger and they're acquainted with their children's temperaments and they know the influence of the, the, these things, these groups, youth gatherings upon their children and upon their minds. And that basically from a desire for their salvation to keep them back from these things. So um, it's interesting, has anybody, experience that with your children they wanted to go and do what their friends were doing and you didn't allow them to go do that but you know one thing I, I i can say about the church is that when i used to say you can't do this on the sabbath there was always something that i could take her back to north side that she could participate in mm -hmm. and i said and and i think that's what made made our youth kind of feel like okay you're not letting us do this but then when they got to the church, you know, there was something that they could do and have some type of activities because it seemed like to me that Sister uh, Jenkins, uh, Tamarla, she always has some type of activity for all ages, kids. And I thought that we, we really missed that when, she, when her and Elder uh, Jenkins left. Okay. Okay. So, yes, did we, um, did we ever have to say no? I know that Holly had a friend, and since she's not on here, I can talk about her business. But she had a little friend. This is way Shame on you. <laughs> she was about 13, and this little girl had on her um, page, some kind of page, Sucky for You. And she was contacting these men, you know, and um, some kind of way. Anyway, um, I said, Sucky for You. I said, What is she sucking? I said, What is she talking about? And I know that Holly didn't know, I assume she didn't know what I was talking about. I said, that's foolishness right there. I said, that's craziness. I said, who is this person? So later on, about a year later, I had told Holly, you know, I said, listen, you can get some of your little friends together and I'll take you guys, you know, we can go to the bowling alley and, and their parents can bring them and I'll stay there with you guys and stuff. I said, so, you know, so then it went left. touched, and, and so I asked her later, I said, did you think of anybody you want like to spend time with like on the weekend. And she was like, yeah. And she mentioned this girl sucky for you. I said, you're kidding me. I said, out of all these kids at church, all these young people, I said, you want her? I said, Holly, I said, you're not getting it. I said, she's messing with these old people, old men on this internet. I said, and all she have to do is tell them her name is Holly, give them your description. You at the bowling alley, they show up. I said, you in some trouble. I said, no, she's not going to be the one that you get. I said, there's a whole lot of other kids that you can do it. I can pick some off if you want me to. 
I said, but that's not gonna be the one. So no, I mean, if you see danger, if you think it's a dangerous situation or your child is being led into a bad situation, it's your job to say no. I mean, you're obligated. Amen, yes it is, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know Absolutely. what, you know another thing, Karen, it's nice to be able to say uh, no in a nice, kind way, and that's the best way to do it. But if you can't, if you have to raise your voice and say, no, <laughs> do it. Yep. You do what you have to do because, you know, they may not like it, but you're not going to like it if you're standing over their casket looking down at them. Absolutely. For drug yep. addiction uh, classes and all this other type of counseling stuff because they got in with the wrong people mm -hmm. and to undo what's been done. So, no, instead of walking things back, I like prevention. Let's just stop some nonsense. Absolutely. Hey, that reminds and you know, me. Lakeith, you, go ahead. Go you ahead, know, as the kinder got grown, she would tell me, she was like, Mom, you know them girls that used to tell me not to hang around? She, and she said, now, she said, when I look back, she said, I was so glad you didn't let me hang around so-and-so. And I told her, I said, Oh, I said, it took you to get grown. She was like, you just don't know. She said, she said when you're a teenager, you think everybody's your friend, she said. But she said, I realized everybody was my friend after I got grown. I said, I know that's right. Mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine at work. His son was getting in with the drug dealers and stuff, and he was telling me about it. I said, well, why don't you tell him to stop hanging around with those guys? And, and he said, man, you can't tell your kids who to hang around with. I said, are you nuts? I said, mm -hmm. duty, you know, to see problems and tell them how to avoid them. Mm -hmm. Don't just let their own friends when you know these people are going to cause problems. Because later on, when your son gets locked up and sent to prison, they're going to go mm -hmm. on about their own business. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll be right. talking about what a fool he was to hang out with them. Right. And I remember did he, when my did he change his mind, uh, Lee. I don't know what he did with that boy. I just know that as a parent, that's part of our responsibility to take, keep an eye on our kids and watch over them. And when we see them going to trouble, say something to them. Don't just let them walk into a ditch. Right, right. I remember when my children were younger, I would tell them that they could not go outside when they got home from school until I got home. So they couldn't be outside when I wasn't home. And they didn't really like that, but they pretty much abided by it. And um, later on, <laughs> and they would want to go like their their friends would go up the street to the to the to the Walgreens and stuff, and they wanted to know why they couldn't go with their friends. And I said, No, I don't know. Your, I don't know what they're getting into and why their parents are letting them roam the streets like that. But no. And uh, later on, after my middle son got grown, he said, You know, he said I used to hate all that all those restrictions, he said, but I realized now they were for our good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of their friends, a lot of the ones that they wanted to hang with, they didn't turn out good. Mm -hmm. You know, those ones that were running the streets and uh, we used to have uh, 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 some kids that would come from the other part of our neighborhood over to our house. It would be after dark and these were little kids. And I was like, what what in the world what parent will let their little children come all the way from the other part mm -hmm. of the neighborhood over to our house at night mm -hmm. and then you know i felt bad i didn't want them walking back home you know after dark by themselves mm -hmm. you know and it was just i just i couldn't fathom that but those kids ended up getting taken away from them so mm. you know what that's also uh down the street from us um 
some years ago, there was a, people would put these basketball things in their driveway. And basketball. then, mm -hmm. yeah, basketball. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. when the parents are not home, like you said, uh, between that time of getting home from school and the parents coming home from work, the kids were out there playing on the basketball. Now what mm -hmm. happened was other kids, like you said, from some other place, and a lot of them a lot older than the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was there, came over, start taking over. You know, it was just so many teenage, uh, teenage young men down there. Pretty soon what happened was not only did they break in the house across the street, mm. now know everybody's schedule, they broke in their house as well. So oh, wow. they learned the schedule and stuff. It's really not good to leave your kids. And I think personally boys more than girls, because I don't know why, I just feel like the girls, they might sit around and talk about boys, maybe, you know, um, do, do some stuff like that. But boys want to be active. They want to play too much and do practical jokes and all this nonsense. And they find themselves and challenge each other. I bet you won't break that window. I'll break you stupid. Mm. No. Yeah. That is just yeah. enough to get a little African-American boy in jail. And if he's 16, that could be very devastating for his future. So it's really mm -hmm. for um, parents not to leave their kids alone during that time. Research from years ago, it may have changed in the case that teenage girls don't get pregnant on the weekends like people think. They get mm -hmm. in that time between school and parents coming home. That's mm -hmm. likely time for child, teenage girls to get pregnant. So I mean, mm -hmm. it's something too that Karen is saying. You can't go outside, you can't have company. You know, uh, in fact, to stay in the house, I got a list of chores for you. <laughs> If you don't have homework, you got, I have some homework for you. So either do your homework or do the homework I have. So it is mm -hmm. important to, to manage these young people's time for them. And like mm -hmm. earlier about that, um, the young people, they're inexperienced. So they don't know the consequences of a lot of things they're about to do or try. So as parents, we've been through a lot that they haven't and we can keep them you know, in touch with us so that they can avoid making the same mistakes. And if they do make the mistake, we can help them to iron it out and take responsibility for what happened. But uh, they just think they know everything. I, I, I like right. a quote for myself, realizing that I didn't know anything back when I knew it all. <laughs> you know, a teenager, you think you know it all, but as an yes. adult, you realize <laughs> you didn't know anything about what you thought. Right. And there's so much we were talking about this last week was there's so many rights now given to young people. They have the right to do this, the right to do that. They can argue with the parents. They don't have to do what the parents say, you know, but back when I was growing up, it was the, uh, the, the basically the motto was when your parent told you to do something and you say, why I got to do that? Because I'm the mommy. That's why. Mm -hmm. Or because I said so. Yeah, you know, that was it. Yeah. Wasn't no arguing. Right. I told you to do it. Now go do it. Right. That and and, and so I, I think now. oftentimes, Lee, when children ask, why do I have to do that or whatever, when parents start explaining, that's when the kids feel like they're on the same level as the parents. Yeah. And so they can they can count, contradict what the parents are saying or they can, you know, counter counteract what the parents are saying or whatever. Mm hmm. And I think that's when I, where a lot of parents get into trouble. Hey, I um, have a, 
Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a question of the last uh, part of that paragraph that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it actually was frightening to me. It says, and parents need to watch and counsel, counsel their children and decide for them and show them that if they do not yield cheerful, willing obedience to their parents, they cannot yield willing obedience to God. And it is impossible for them to be Christians. That's frightening. I mean, is mm -hmm. it really impossible? Because you can come back to the Lord. I mean, I can testify. You can come back after you've been as grown as you want to be. You can come back to the Lord and be a Christian. Well, I think. But the, if they I, have a heart that is not back. willing to yield to parents, how are they going to yield to Christ? That's what it's basically saying. And like you said, the Holy Spirit can do anything. Come back. That makes a difference. Yeah, but that's that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit can do anything. But he says, I stand at the door and knock if any man open. Well, I remember at Lucifer when he sinned, there was opportunity for repentance, but he was, as it says, unwilling to be obedient. And so then it became impossible for him to repent. So, like with many uh, humans, if you're constantly hard-headed and stubborn like Pharaoh, refusing to be obedient, then it's impossible for you to serve God. So mm -hmm. as long as a person repents and uh, accepts that, that obedience is part of what their life needs to be, then it changes the situation. But if they refuse, then yeah, you in for trouble then. Right. Oh, and here's the thing. Oh, scary. I was going to say that that you know, if you have a child that persistent that is persisting in getting their own way and following their own will, it's going to be harder and harder for them as they become adults to turn their life around. Now, nothing is impossible with God. And as long as there's life, there's hope. We know that from the Bible. So nothing is impossible, but it is, it will be harder. It will be harder. But she says, she does say, they cannot yield willing obedience to God, and it is impossible for them to be Christians. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is that is a little chilling. That's almost like saying you grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's what you it's know? saying. Mm -hmm. And just just yeah. think of it on a on a logical, uh, re, uh, realistic standpoint. If you can't obey your parents, whom you do see, how are you going to obey God? Mm -hmm. you don't see. Right. Right. Absolutely. And in the next paragraph, she says that parents should encourage their children to confide in them, to talk to them, to unburden their, their hearts and griefs to them, their little daily annoyances and trials. And that, that by that, the parents will learn to learn their children better, learn to sympathize with their children and can pray for them in detail as to the things that are going on in their children's lives. And also they should point them to their never failing friend and counselor who is touched with the feeling of their infirmities. And she says in the next paragraph that Satan tempts the children to be reserved with their parents. In other words, not talk to their parents about what's going on, but talk to their friends and their peers and get their information from their friends and their peers uh, who are just as inexperienced as they are, who are just as tempted by the enemy as they are and may not even be coming from as uh, 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 um, as much of a spiritual home as as your children may be coming from. Mm -hmm. And like I said, and, I follow the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Right, right. 
and she and she talks about how when young people get together, they want to chat and laugh and joke and basically drive Christ out of their hearts because they don't want to they don't want to talk Christ. They don't want to talk things that are that are, uh, you know, that they would talk in the presence of their parents. I'll put it like that. <laughs> you know, well, it talks about ch uh, children or teens, but that also applies to adults. Many times adults get together and it just becomes a bunch of stupidity. Right. <laughs> right. And, 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 and foolish nonsense, as she says. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, and, and it also unprofitable conversation. There's a lot of that going on, even with adults, right? Mm -hmm. Small but, but talk you know, about this one or that one. Um, and she says that that small talk withers noble devotional thoughts and feelings and drives good and holy desires from the heart, leaving it cold and destitute of true love for God and his truth. Now, I had a situation in... I said, this was just so on, on time. Um, I let Kendra have a Salumba party here at my house when she was in high school. And, you know, and she, and she said, when we sat down, I said, now, what would the rules be if this was your house? And she said, I wouldn't let them do this and do that. And I was like, thank you. Because, you know, I kind of, she kind of was doing the same thing. She said, and if they do that, she said, they got to go home. So we had, you know, we had quite a few girls. They showed up. And then the one little girl, Kenda, I know when she came in and some of the girls was like, oh, why can't invite her? And I, I kind of said to them, I said, in this house, everybody's welcome. I said, and if she was on Kenda's list, she gets to come in. I had no idea anything about this little girl. And then, you know, me and me and John, John went upstairs. And so I was down here with the girls. And then I finally said, well, I'm going to go and get on the computer because I have a computer room. I heard this little girl tell Kenda, you mean you got, uh, I heard the rules. She said, why you let your mom and your daddy tell you what to do? And Kendra said, because I'm not grown. Kendra said, because I'm not grown. She said, well, you got a job at McDonald's. Kendra said, don't pay none. She said, they let me keep my money. So she said, and I, heard, and I was surprised when Kendra said, well, if you can't follow by the rules, you're going to have to leave. Not mm. knowing this little girl had three kids. Here come mm. a group of boys. They ring my doorbell, and none, none of the girls, they were all told, you know, I come downstairs and answer the door. You don't. I open the door. This one little guy standing there talking about, I come to see my baby mama. And he had liquor. <laughs> he had a, a brown bag and everything. I told him, I said, uh-uh, you can't come here. He talking about, her mama said I can come over here. I said, her mama don't run this house. I, I, John came from downstairs. I told the little girl, I said, I, this, she said, I got three kids. I said, well, in order for you to be with him, you call your mother and tell your mother I'll bring you home to her house. So I'm thinking, she's, she's like, y'all got to go. So they walked away, and then John said, I don't trust them. They're going to try to come back. Do you know this girl's mama called me and said, how are you going to tell my daughter's uh, baby daddy he can't come in? I said, ma'am, you got to come and get your daughter. So I'm, take, I'm bringing her home. Me and John took that little girl home. I told Kendra, you lock this door. Don't you let nobody else in. And the girls was like, oh, if my mama knew she was here, my mama would make me leave and come home. I couldn't believe it, though. Mama called me and gave me a piece of her mind. And I mm. told her, I said, ma'am, it can't happen at my house. I said, I'm bringing your daughter home. Mm. Mercy. Wow.
Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's amazing how, you know, like I said, I was surprised when Kenda was telling her the rule. She said, but I told all y'all this last week. That little girl, when I heard her down there talking about, you going to let your mama and daddy tell you what to do? I said, Kenda didn't waste no time getting that little girl told. <laughs> Mercy. It's nice to know what you were teaching her came out. Okay. Um, that's good, Patsy. Uh, let's go down to the next paragraph, uh, 392.1. And she talks about, continues to talk about how parents should encourage their children um, to be open and frank with them and to come to them with all their difficulties and when they're perplexed as to which way to turn or which way to go. And talk to their parents about it and ask for their advice. And um, she says, who are so well calculated to see and point out their dangers as godly parents who can understand the peculiar temperaments of their own children as well as they. So she's encouraging open communication between parents and children. And you know what? That doesn't just happen in a vacuum. That has to be something that has been cultivated since the children were young so that they feel comfortable coming to the parents and talking to them and uh, telling them, you know, and asking their advice, seeking their advice. And she says- Definitely has to be cultivated, but it's always kind of maddening to me uh, because it seems like every teenager does this. You know, and even in the uh, further down the paragraph, it says the mother who has watched every turn of the mind from infancy. All you've been watching your kids from infancy, teaching them, training them, raising them, taking care of them, feeding them, sheltering them. And then when they become teenagers, they do what the teenagers tell them. They're friends right. to what your parents tell you. Like right. with example, you right. know, want to listen to other teenagers as opposed to their parents who have raised them from infancy and taken care of them. It's like all of a sudden your knowledge is less than the knowledge that their teenage friends have. Right. Contrast that to contrast that to Isaac when they when Abraham took him up onto the mountain and told him to that he was going to be the sacrifice. And Isaac's attitude towards his father versus, you know, these young people these days, you know. It's a different world. It's a different world. But you know, um, I see that also in the church. I can say, I could say something to Kendall and say, you know, um, um, you know, it's in Matthew so and so, and she'll read it. But let somebody else at church tell her. She'd be like, oh, so that's. What I'm like, but I said the same thing. It's like I don't know whether she think, you know, Mama's so old, she don't know what she's talking about. But somebody else can tell her the same thing, and I'm like. The Lord just used them instead of me. So I don't even get mad. I'd be like, but it's like, it's the light bulb that goes off in her. And I'm like, but you've been taught that already. But you know, you guys, I think society um, encourages this nonsense with teenage kids. Because one of the main reasons why the kids, aside from parents, don't want to be bothered with teaching the children at home. The main reason they cite for kids needing to come back to school is for social skill development which really should be done at home. I don't see nothing in, in by this prophet saying that let the kids, other children teach your children and stuff. I think society promotes this whole thing talking, they call it social skills development and they wanna be with their peers, et cetera, et cetera. And I have absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I, I believe like you, Patsy, if she's with her peers, I almost want to be right there with them so I can know what kind of damage I need to undo, you know, after after they have 
after all this damage has been done. The society promotes this separation between parents and their children. It really does. And it starts, mm -hmm. Satan is really shrewd. Starts in infancy. Your baby is six weeks. Everybody is like, you coming back to work at six weeks. Now you got to do four jobs. You're working a full-time job. You got to be a wife. You got to clean up the house, a servant. And you got to be this mommy taking care of this baby. Come on now, Lakita. <laughs> you know, and stuff. And then letting other people, well, why are you not going to work? Why? Because I don't want four whole jobs. I just want to do really one thing at a mm. time. I'm going to be a mm. wife or a mother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right, though. You're absolutely right about that. You know, Ooh. I've never seen any child say, I want to grow up a two-year-old, say, I want to grow up and be like a two-year-old. They want to grow up and be like their parents. And we teach social skills. Home is where you learn. Outside is where they practice. They're not going outside to learn social skills. They learn that at home, and they practice it outside of the house. That's Everybody, I hope we all get that straight. You know, that parents are responsible for teaching social skills. That's your job. Mm -hmm. Not the teenagers' jobs. Right. Not the classmates' jobs. Not the teachers' job. That's the parents' job. Right, right. And too often, it, it, it's left up to the teacher. It's left up to the peers. The or pastor. It just, you know it's just, they just you know gain, they, they gain it from TV or other stuff. You know, I hear a lot of times about why the children leave the church and the church don't do this, the church don't do that. They had church for maybe four hours on one day a week. Really? Is it really mm -hmm. responsibility? Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as long as I know, church have always been like boring for kids. It's always been. It's never been the place of entertainment. So, you know, don't get me started on it, but... <laughs> <laughs> We always shirking our responsibilities as parents. And then, you know, when they go on awry, we're like, the school didn't do this. The church school didn't do that. And the, the teachers didn't do that. And, the um, you know, the pastors, the church wasn't this. Come on. What was home like? Were mm -hmm. we having devotion two or three times a day? What about praying? Hey, you know, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and you know, Lakita, the other, other part to that, too, is you have a lot of good Christian parents that have raised some nice kids, and those kids, you don't hardly see people speaking on, you know, even if you just say, you know, you we all know, you know, everybody sins, but you got a lot of good kids that were raised in the church are trying to be productive, and they never get anybody other than, you know, maybe their family members that say something good about them, because the news show ain't going to put them on there for doing nothing positive. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's right, Patsy. You know, and the emphasis always is on kids who have left the church. Let's let's emphasize the ones that stayed. You know, that says to me, you're doing something right. So what? Talk to them about church. Do more mm -hmm. of that. We're not learning anything from people who leave the church, and I, I'm going to say 90% of the time, it's not necessarily the church's fault. I think that you, it's home. We have to, we got to shore this home thing up if, because it all starts there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just to, just to let me share something with the top. I went to Burger King on um, Lindbergh, and I hadn't heard from Darion, you know, because he's my, my person from the top that I'm sponsoring whenever he want to do something. And I said, and w when I pulled around, because I didn't recognize his voice, he almost came through that window. He said, Sister Harper. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, and you should see, I mean, he still had that 
that Christian attitude. And he told the people, some of the girls behind him, he said, she, she visit my church. She, she, she go to Northside, but she come over there and she, and he just went on to tell uh, some of the stuff that he had been doing at church. And the girl just said, she said, Darion, you never told us you was involved in church like that. And I thought, Praise the Lord. He wasn't shy to tell some of the stuff, even though, you know, we've been locked down. But I just thought that was really a nice thing to see him and to let, and to see how he was, you know, telling them all the positive things that he had done at the top. Mm. Yeah, amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. Um, and then let's, let's go on down to the next paragraph, uh, 392.2. She says at the top of that paragraph that children who are Christians will prefer the love and approbation of their God fearing parents above every earthly blessing. They will love and honor their parents. Then she says down in the middle of that paragraph, children who have been petted and waited upon in contrast to those always expected and if their expectations are not met they are disappointed and discouraged and the same disposition will be seen throughout their whole lives they will be helpless leaning upon others for aid expecting others to favor them and yield to them and if they are opposed even after they have grown to manhood or womanhood they think themselves abused and thus they worry their way through the world hardly able to bear their own weight often murmuring and fretting because everything does not suit them that's now that's what's scary that's for me. Mm -hmm. That's scary. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. so scary. Yeah. My, Why is that scary? That's Patrick? the uh, basic. That's the basics of spoiling your kids. Get mm -hmm. too much patting them, allowing them to do too many things without any structure or discipline or repercussions or responsibility is not just buying them things that spoils them but it's also the way that you allow them to basically run over you and just, mm -hmm. and that doesn't, right. that doesn't help them at all. It makes them a worse human being. Right. Right. And I think, you know, I see that some of that uh, with my grandson, with my grandson's mother. And he, if he, if he, um, I guess pitches a fit enough, she'll let him have his way. But when mm -hmm. he comes over here, I tell him, you don't run nothing, <laughs> you know, and he's got to do what I say over here, mm. you know. Um, were, were you going to say something else, Patsy? Yeah, somebody asked me, why did I think that was scary? And I said, because I see it in, in, in Kenda as she raises Donovan. She's like, well, when I was a kid, I... She would say, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that. I said, that's because we were in a small community and everybody watched you, you know, like, like I remember when we were in the store one day with Donovan, I think he was like three. He didn't get what he wanted. And he threw himself down on the floor and I kind of looked at her and she was like, she's like, I never did that. But other kids used to do it in the community. I said, Kenda, get a grip to that right now. Let him know that's inappropriate to do at a store because you want something. And she's like, but. If yeah, I remember how I felt when I didn't get it, even though I didn't throw myself down, I wanted to. I said, no, teach him that you don't do that because you want something. And if you want something, doesn't mean you're going to get it. But I mean, and it was scary because I looked at that and I said, my goodness, this, you know, it's that. And I don't want to say the new generation of parents, but she was like, no, she's at daycare. They said, just talk him down until he, he settles down. But I know if my mother had been there, she would have been just the opposite. She'd have tanned him right there. 
<laughs> but you can't do that now because you're going to jail now, Pastor. You can't tan nobody right now. Right. I mean, that's it. But you but you know, it's so different because I never seen my I never seen Kendra do anything like this. Throw herself down in a store and do all that. But when I saw Donovan, I just was like, I was I mean, I was just shocked. Oh, shame, dude. <laughs> Listen, my grandson, he's uh, two now. He turned two in June. So he threw himself down on the on the floor crying about something. And I stepped over him and kept walking. <laughs> 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 he threw yeah. himself down. He threw himself down in front of Lee and then uh, Lee. And then he was crying, but he peeked from under his hand to see if Lee was watching. <laughs> I just ignore him. Mm. No, he just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, I, yeah, had a, well, I had a little guy in my office. This was really so many years ago. And he came, he's about six or seven or some cute little boy. And parents dropped him off. And so he got, he started crying. He was crying because his mom left him. Cried and cried and cried and cried. You know, I went to the window. I said, you got to cry louder because, uh, they don't see, they can't hear you out there. They're still driving their cars, right? So he just cried, cried, cried. So I let him cry because, you know, I'm, it's, it's okay with me. So when he finished, he finished crying. And he was I'm like, whew, I'm tired. I said, you should be. <laughs> you cried for 40 minutes, you know? So oh then we started, we started to play a little game. And then his mother came very shortly because I was like 50 minutes. So you can cry 40, 40 to 40 to 45 minutes. So then he talking about, Already it's time to go. I said, Yep. I said, You cried your whole session. I said, Guess what? He said, What? I said, You come back next week and cry again. You can cry that whole session too. Not my problem. So then <laughs> I had another problem with them. But yeah, you know, this is important. If you cannot give into that, that tantrum, you cannot. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. never learn to get themselves together. Right. And if you have a child throwing tantrums, you don't stop them. They turn into an adult that throws tantrums because they yep, never that's true. The way of handling situations. And you, all of us probably have worked for adults who threw tantrums in some mm. because they were that way oh, when they, yeah. were, they never stopped. Mm-hmm. Well, you notice a lot of our cousins throw tantrums. I, I believe that's absolutely true. And and my, my grandson, like I said, when he thinks that he's going to get his way over here, he either gets time out. Or like you said, I just ignore him, you know. <laughs> so he finishes with whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever, you, whatever know what? you know. Or I tell him, I tell him, because uh, sometimes he'll start pouting because he doesn't get his way. And I said, well, look, you know, um, you want that sucker when you leave. Remember, I promised, I told you that maybe you could have a sucker when you leave. And I said, well, you're not gonna get that sucker if you keep acting like that. Mm-hmm. And he straightens up right away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I tell I would tell Holly she would throw uh, two things at that counter when you at the end of the day, I always have all that candy there. And she'd be like, Mama, can I have that? Yes, I put it up there on the thing. She's good, she's happy, she's going on about her business. And mm-hmm. I put that down on my band. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing. But I also would tell Holly, if you um if you're crying, if you're crying because I said no, then I'm going to say no that for seven more things. It's for seven more times. I said the seven things you ask for after you, if you cry when I say no, then the next seven times you ask for something, I'm going to say no. And then mm-hmm. one time I said, Holly, she did cry. I said, you better start asking for some stuff. I said, because I'm going to, I'm saying no for the next seven things. I said, so mm-hmm. start asking. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I really, you just have to stick to whatever you're doing, whether it's ignoring them, what you cannot do you must not do is give it to them. Not ever. Right. Nah, right. Don't do it. 
Right. I agree with that. I Absolutely. see people give in all the time at the store, though. Once some kids start screaming and hollering, and they're uh-huh. looking at you to see what you're going to do. Because they're embarrassed. Just get, they're used to giving in. That's, that's why the children do that, because they know if they act a fit, their parents will give in. Yeah, because the parents, like you say, are embarrassed. Everybody in the store is looking, so they just want to shut them up. Here, mm-hmm. quit crying. Well, what they mm-hmm. should do is just take the kid out of the store. <laughs> right. Don't get nothing. Just so come back later. <laughs> right. Right. Because you're making it worse for society by not training your children. Right. Absolutely. Then we got to at least to train them. Right. Yeah, we got to put the up next paragraph them. speaks right to that. She says that they parents think they're gratified by gratifying the wishes of their children and letting them follow their own inclinations. They can gain their children's love, but that's an error. The children that are indulged grow up unrestrained in their desires, unyielding in their dispositions, selfish, exacting, and overbearing, and a curse to themselves and to all those around them. So, all yeah. around them, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, and then in the next paragraph, she talks about that children should be taught very young to be useful and to help themselves and to help others. And uh, not parents should not um, do things for their children while their children are sitting around um, doing, doing things that don't require much effort or much labor. And at this point, uh, as she talked about knitting, well, girls anyway, reading stories in the parlor, knitting and, and crocheting and embroidering. Well, now we know that it's past that time. So now it's, a, and I had boys, so it's video games and that kind of thing, you know. But wow. you know, you know, I used, I used to say to myself, the only time we get a break when I was growing up from not working is when we went to church. And when we got home from church, my mama used to say, now, if some of y'all got lessons to do that they done gave you at church, and we'd be like, but we thought we was going to get this day off. But we always, I mean, when you come in from school, we had a routine. My daddy had this big chart up. Even even though I was little and couldn't read, my brother and sister used to be like, little bit, this is what you got to do. And, I, and I'm like, we never got to come home and didn't have nothing to do. And I said, my mama, if you didn't have nothing, she found something. I said, but we always had, I mean, we had duties by the week. And I used to be, and I said, when I get grown, I said, I am not going to put no chart in my house because I ain't having all them kids, first of all. I said, with duties, but then you have, they say you turn into your parents because I said, when Kendra did move up here after my mother passed away, her first day here, I was like, well, this is what you do every day when you get home from school. She was like, Granny had me doing that too. I said, okay. Mm. Mm. Listen to mm-hmm. this. Um, it's in the, it said, it is thought to be, this is later on in the, in the paragraph, to be unladylike and even coarse, <laughs> to wash clothes, iron, or stand over the wash tub. This is the fashion. Yes, yes I read that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, I told someone, they were like, yeah, complain about their kids and, um, that they had to do this, they had to do that, blah, blah, blah. I said, you got four kids? And she said, yeah. I said, this is what children are so that you can develop your leadership skills. That's where you sit down and you lead them into washing the clothes and doing all that. Right, absolutely. <laughs> you're absolutely. supposed to be sitting down and they supposed to be doing the work. <laughs> People got it all backwards. The kids are sitting down while they're waiting on it. 
Right. I know when we were growing up and my mom's on the, on the um, line too with us, uh, the boys knew how to do everything the girls could do. That's right. Amen. You mm-hmm. sure right. That stuff mm-hmm. Because at some point you're going to be on your own. Right. You know it. And I know some of us went through high school where we had the home economic course where it didn't matter if you were. We call family and consumer science now. Right. <laughs> it didn't matter if you was the captain of the football team. You better bake a cake or else you're not going to graduate. <laughs> so it really helps you as a some I'm gonna of my male friends, they say to people, oh, my wife, guy told me, my wife, she, will, she won't cook nothing for me. And I told him, go cook it yourself. Right. Can I add but on to that? I think that's, that's what happened to my youngest brother. That's why he ain't married. He in his late 60s and he ain't never been married. I said, but I said, he so, he like, I, I, I mean, he told my mother when he was a teenager, he said, I know how to do everything. And when he came out of the military, he said, he said, even though he said, he said, I do, you know, like a companionship. He said, but still, I can do everything for myself. To this day, we can't get him married. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we cannot no. get him married at all. Chris wanted to chime in. <laughs> I was going to chime in on that. I said, that is true because when I went to Oakwood back in 2006, You'd be surprised how many of the guys didn't know how to iron, didn't know they didn't even know how to use the washing machine or the dryer. They didn't know none of them knew how to cook anything because they said their parents had did all that for them, but our moms did anyway. That's ridiculous. When they was growing up. Yeah. Wow. There were, even, there were guys That's unbelievable. Wow. There were guys at university, their parents, they would take loads of dirty clothes home in trash bags every weekend for their parents to wash. Yeah, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that. Oh Lord. Yes, Damn, I believe that. <laughs> Ridiculous. I definitely believe that. So uh, I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop here today, and we're gonna st- pick back up in the next class with the next paragraph, which is paragraph three ninety four point one, which deals with how God fearing parents should train their children for a life of usefulness. So we'll pick that up next time. Um, and Lee, what are we studying this week? Uh, next, I'm sorry, next uh, week. We're starting back. the new book, Heaven. So if you have the LNG White app, go ahead and get it. And uh, for those who don't, tr- maybe you can look on eBay and get one. Um, Karen gave Patsy some copies. I don't know if anyone else needs copies. What's the name of the next one, uh, Lee? No, she she gave me some par- uh, the first two chapters. That's it. Okay. Yeah, it's called Heaven by Ellen White. Okay, yeah. Kind of next in line since we went through Time of Trouble and the Redeemed mm-hmm. Reward of the Redeemed. So next, we'll read about Heaven. Okay. All right. Uh, Paula, could I ask you to pray us out? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, to have yet again another opportunity to um, listen, to learn from your prophet and to um, break open your word, Father God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us in all things and in all ways. And as we go forward to this week, maybe we inspire others um, in your way. Forgive us for our sins and thank you for your, your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 Okay, we will see everyone back next week at 2.30. All thank right. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy, Happy Sabbath. Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath.